We all agree that Jesus is coming back. But not everyone holds the same view of how the events leading up to his return may unfold or when. There are just so many different interpretations, theories and positions. What should we look out for? Let's see. Hi, this is Hansen from Archippus Awakening, a ministry dedicated to the awakening of the saints that we may all know and fulfill our God-given Kingdom assignments. This is what Kingdom 101 is about. We revisit Kingdom fundamentals to know Jesus our King, to embrace His Kingdom, that we may receive and move on Kingdom assignments according to His Kingdom ways. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, once again we proclaim Jesus. Thank you for the words given to us and we ask for Holy Spirit to bring us understanding that we may live right for you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. In Matthew 24 verse 3, the disciples asked about the predicted destruction of the temple and for the sign of His coming. In a sense, they were asking Jesus, what should we look out for? In reply, the Lord started by painting the eschatological backdrop, presenting the general setting of what is to be expected. False crises and prophets, wars, earthquakes, tribulation, lawlessness, and what is expected of them. Don't be deceived, persevere, preach the gospel of the kingdom. After that, in Matthew 24, 15-31, Jesus proceeds to answer their question more specifically. Now that they understand the big picture, Jesus then zooms in with more details. He sharpens the focus about the temple's destruction with a reference to Daniel's 70-week prophecy. How it won't be just tribulation, but great tribulation. And then finally, the sign of His coming. When considering eschatological matters about the end times or the last days, we should also ask the same question as the disciples. What should we look out for? While we may all agree that Jesus will return, not everyone holds the same view of how the events leading up to His return may unfold or when. There are just so many different interpretations and positions. Some major on prophecy tracking, others on date setting. Others are simply too caught up with the cares of this world and of life to even bother. Yet others are just distracted and confused by well-meaning end-time warriors forwarding and circulating so-called prophetic messages and warnings. And all these result in even more distraction, more confusion and fear. What should we look out for? Amidst this deluge of information and possibly misinformation, it's hard to see clearly. And that was my experience as I did my best to study this passage. Oh my, I went down rabbit trail after rabbit trail. My eyes were pulled in every direction. More than a few times, I found myself disoriented and lost. So many things to see, yet no focus. I had to decide to make a hard stop, to read the passage again and again. And it was when I asked the Lord, 
what should I be looking out for? That he showed me what he wanted me to see. Three times in this passage, in verse 15, verse 25, and verse 30, the word see is mentioned. See, see, see. I was surprised that I didn't see that before. I was simply too distracted by all the other details. Clearly, it's not just seeing, but seeing what Jesus wants us to see. And also, seeing that we may discern, understand, and respond rightly as we expect His return. And so what is Matthew 24, verses 15 to 31 about? Well, let's see, see, see. See. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. The first C is found in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. The word used here refers to seeing with understanding and with perception. Hence the phrase, whoever reads, let him understand. However, this, in my opinion, is the most challenging verse to understand. Jesus refers to the abomination of desolation prophesied by Daniel in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. The same phrase is also mentioned in Daniel 11, verse 31, and Daniel 12, verse 11. But what is this abomination of desolation? Or drawing from a parallel passage in Luke chapter 21, verse 20, Jesus was specifically predicting the fall of Jerusalem and the impending destruction of the temple. This verse says, But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. When you see this take place, believers of Jesus are to make the move to get out of Jerusalem. And Jesus describes this in Matthew 24, 16 to 20. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. Now, this language may have been inspired by Genesis chapter 19, verse 17, when Lot was asked to escape to get out of Sodom and Gomorrah and get out fast without turning back. In the context of Luke chapter 17, verse 32, Jesus says, Remember Lot's wife. Don't turn back. And the reason is found in the next verses, in 24, verses 21 and 22. It won't be just tribulation but it will be great tribulation. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Historically, this took place in 70 AD when the Romans besieged Jerusalem and finally destroyed the temple. It was a time of intense persecution and tribulation. Jesus had already prophesied this 
in Matthew 23, verse 38. And that was fulfilled. For in that verse he said, See, your house is left to you desolate. But according to Matthew 24, 29, a few verses later, Jesus would return after the tribulation of those days. Well, he didn't, and he hasn't. Which means that there will be another abomination of desolation, followed by great tribulation before Jesus' coming. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, and Revelation 13, verse 15, speak of a man of sin, a man of lawlessness. And this is the Antichrist. And this guy will set himself up as God in the temple. And those who refuse to take his mark and to worship him will be killed. Now let's see and let's understand. All the previous abominations of desolation, and there was more than one, as well as the present ongoing tribulation and persecution, which is happening all over the world, some more intense, all these will foreshadow this final future fulfillment. There will be a trigger event, and that involves the temple, and we are to watch, to see, and to discern. But what should we be looking for then? There's a present very popular view of the third temple. There's already talk of preparation for this third temple to be built in Jerusalem. How? When? Where? Exactly. We don't know. But everything is ready to go. And at a certain appointed time, the Antichrist figure will make a covenant with Israel, break it after three and a half years, and then desecrate that temple. There will be great tribulation and intense persecution that will follow. Now, when you see this take place, get out of the cities and into the mountains and countryside. I just have a question for us as Singaporeans. Where do we go? Because we are just one small little city. No wonder some are even considering migrating where there will be countryside to run to. Well, that's one view. But what if it's not a physical temple? If the temple system has already been done away with by Jesus, and that's what he said, then there's really nothing to desecrate, third temple or not. Besides, a physical temple means nothing to believers of Jesus or to Yeshua. See, the body of Christ today, comprising both Jews and Gentiles, this is the temple. We are the temple. And this temple is made up of all the various local congregations around the world. The Antichrist, and this word anti can also mean alternate or substitute, will be worshipped in this temple or in the churches. He will be worshipped through another gospel, through false doctrines. He will promote a Babylonian system, and that is happening even as we speak. And this already renders this temple unholy, if you would think about it. This will ultimately lead to acceptance of the one world religion as well as the mark of the beast after which great tribulation begins and refusal to worship this alternate Christ, this substitute Christ, will result in persecution and also death. 
Now, when you see this take place, get out. In this case, it's not about getting out of cities, but to ensure that you're not caught in this Babylonian system. Get out the world system. Revelation 18 verse 4 urges God's people to come out of Babylon. So let's see and let's understand. Whether a physical third temple or not, the point is to look, to watch and to see that we may discern and understand how to respond. You can keep waiting for that trigger event to happen, or you can begin right now to make preparations to live rightly before the Lord, to be ready for any eventuality, and especially for Jesus' return. See and understand. See, see, I have told you beforehand. The second see is found in Matthew chapter 24, verse 25. And this see is in the midst of many looks. 24 verse 23, look, here's the Christ. Look, there's the Christ. 24, 26, the first part, look, he is in the desert. Then in the second part, look, he is in the inner rooms. It's about seeing to verify the accuracy of Jesus' words. He said, see, I have already told you beforehand. And thus, this is to see that we have been forewarned that we may be prepared and not be deceived. Because Jesus says, do not believe any of these. Whenever in trouble or tribulation, especially in trouble or tribulation, the natural tendency is to look for a way out, to look for something or someone to help to deliver and to save. And this is when false Christs and false prophets will appear. These will even have great signs and wonders. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9 speaks of the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. We must be reminded that supernatural and power signs, however impressive, are not everything, nor do they always point to the kingdom. Righteousness, instead, is always the key defining trait and indicator of the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus repeated this often in Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom and His righteousness, not just things of the kingdom where you may be deceived by unrighteousness. Seek the kingdom and His righteousness. Matthew 7, verse 21 to 23. Jesus turns away those who perform signs and wonders, but practice lawlessness or unrighteousness. These power signs are there for one reason, to deceive, and if possible, to deceive the elect. One view is that it is not possible ever for the elect to be deceived, because once you are truly saved, then you are once saved, always saved or the elected are the chosen, they are predestined, so nothing can take them out. Or they will just be grace, 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 and always grace, so you will never, ever be deceived. Now, if that is the case, then Jesus wouldn't have had to repeat the warning against deception so many times. 
And he already issued this a few verses earlier in verses 4 and 5 and 11 of chapter 24. Look in the epistles. The apostles issued many cautions against deception by false apostles and prophets and teachers too. Which means it is a very important warning to be heeded because disciples, believers, followers, all can be deceived. And the enemy will do everything in his power to deceive the elect. Let's see and let's understand. But what are we looking for? Many are looking for Jesus in all the wrong places. Matthew 24 verse 26, Therefore if they say to you, Look, he's in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. In the time of Israel, false messiahs, like to appear in the wilderness, which explains why some thought that John the Baptist was the Christ. Others expected Messiah to be hidden and secret, to suddenly appear out of nowhere, mystical and even spiritual. Today we have people chasing personalities, anointing, location, experiences, instead of following Jesus. Don't look for Jesus in all the wrong persons and in all the wrong places. Let's see and remember Jesus' forewarning. I have already told you beforehand. We must see and we must understand. Look at the scriptures. Jesus' coming will be visible and obvious. It will be fast and unmistakable. Jesus spoke of two little proverbs in verses 27 and 28. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. Look at the lightning. It will just zip from the east and to the west. But when the lightning happens, everyone sees it and it's obviously visible in the skies. Even if you don't look up, it's going to be that obvious and that fast. For wherever the carcass is, in verse 28, there the eagles, or better translation is, vultures, will be gathered together. Now vultures are naturally drawn to a carcass. And Jesus' written will be so obvious without need for a second guess. But this language in biblical precedent points to those who are slain in battle. This could also be a picture of judgment, of those defeated by Jesus and his army after the final battle. And we read this in Revelation 19 verses 11 to 21 and also Ezekiel chapter 39 verses 17 to 20. Let us see and we must understand. Seeing that this is such an important warning, we must be aware and very careful of false Christs and false prophets. There are many examples of people being drawn to follow false Christ figures and cults into obscure and secret places waiting to be raptured. Don't be drawn by false messiah types, attractive prophetic and end-time ministries promising things that Jesus didn't promise at all. These will all use scripture to say and mean what they wanted to say and mean. See and understand. The only safeguard you have is to know the King for yourself 
and to learn how to handle and divide His Word rightly. See and understand. See, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. The third C is found in Matthew 24, verse 30. Finally, the sign, the answer that the disciples were waiting for. This sign may allude to a standard or a banner used for gathering of God's people. We read this in Isaiah 11, verse 12. He will set up a sign for the nations and will assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Or Isaiah chapter 18, verse 3. All inhabitants of the world and dwellers on the earth, when he lifts up a banner on the mountains, you see it. And when he blows a trumpet, you hear it. Well, this could be what this passage is referring to. But honestly, we do not know what this sign is. We only know that it will be obvious and Jesus appears soon after the sign is shown. Here, no one is asked to see. Instead, everyone will see. Jesus will come on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. This is a clear reference to Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, where the Son of Man receives dominion, glory, and the kingdom from the Ancient of Days. When Jesus comes again, God the Father will give Him the fullness of the everlasting kingdom. But there's a prelude to the sign and as well as to Jesus' coming. And we read this in verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Before the sign and the coming of the Son of Man, there's a prelude of cosmic and earth-shaking proportions that will take place immediately after the tribulation. We read Revelation 6, 12-17, and there's an opening of the sixth seal, and there's a similar description of these cosmic shaking things. As well as in Revelation chapter 8, verse 12, at the sounding of the fourth trumpet, there will also be a description of how the sun, the moon, the stars and all will be darkened. Now, is this literal and actual? Those who think so would always be looking at solar and lunar eclipses, shooting stars and meteor showers, and making a prophetic case for these. Or could this just be spiritual symbolism? Jesus may be pointing to the overthrow of the cosmic and demonic powers usually associated in paganism with sun, moon, and stars. Or perhaps it's just a metaphorical description of God's ultimate shaking. He says, once more I will shake heavens and the earth. And this could just describe it. See, in the Bible, such descriptions were used in the prophetic books and it often referred to the judgment of nations and the fall of political powers, not a literal manifestation. You see this in Isaiah 13, 
verse 10, referring to Babylon. Or Isaiah 34, verse 4, referring to Edom. We also read in Ezekiel 32, verse 7, Joel chapter 2, verse 10, and also Amos chapter 8, verse 9. Well, whichever way you choose to interpret this verse, please don't miss the main point. The coming of Jesus will be so bright, so glorious, so evident that everything else will be shaken and will be darkened. Once again, the key point is that Jesus' coming will be totally noticeable and observed by all. It will not be silent. It will not be secret at all. But what happens when He comes? When Jesus finally returns, all the tribes of the land, all of Israel, will see and mourn for the one they pierced. This is a fulfillment of Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. But not just Israel, but everyone will see. Revelations chapter 1, verse 7. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him. Depending on one's faith in Jesus and faithfulness to Jesus, the response and outcome of seeing Jesus will be very different. It's not going to be good news for those who did not receive and believe in the good news of Jesus and His kingdom. It will be too late. Although seemingly sudden and expected, enough time would have been given to all to respond to the preaching of the good news of the kingdom. No one will have any excuse. But the saints, the saints will rejoice at the sound of the trumpet because the angels will be sent out immediately to gather the elect into the kingdom. And we see this in verse 31 of chapter 24. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Do you know that Jesus already mentioned this in the kingdom parables? Go back and read it for yourself the parable of the tares and the wheat. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 41, the parable of the dragnet. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 49, Paul later talked about this too. Listen to the words in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 51 to 52. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Also in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 16 and 17. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the shout of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Note when the saints will be caught up. Harpazo, that's the word, to be raptured. 
it will happen after the trumpet, not before. As we have already noted, it will be obvious and public. It will not be secret or silent. John recorded it from heaven's perspective in Revelation 11 verse 15. Then the seventh angel sounded, and this refers to the seventh and the last trumpet. And there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. See and understand. Jesus is coming soon, but not until great tribulation takes place something that they won't be around when tribulation takes place. This pre-tribulation position believes that the church, and not Israel, will be raptured, taken out before the tribulation. Well, I don't want to be around for the tribulation either, but that is not up to me. My part is to study scripture carefully and to live rightly in light of what the Lord has revealed and forewarned. And at this point, I personally hold to a post-tribulation position. We don't know how much time there is between the cosmic description and disturbances and the appearance of Jesus. If the lightning imagery of Jesus' coming is any indication, and Paul's description of, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, referring to the catching up and being changed, then it will all happen very, 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 very fast. You are either ready or you are not. See, everyone will see Jesus. No one will ever miss this. But may our response be one of joy and jubilation when we see the King of this Kingdom of God. Now for that, from now, we must see and then understand and live the way we expected to live in expectation of seeing Jesus when He comes. See and understand. That's Matthew 24 verses 15 to 31 for you. See, see, and see. There's so many interpretations, theories, and positions about the end times. It is too easy to be distracted, confused, and even deceived. What should we look out for? Are we seeing what we should be seeing? And not just seeing, eh? but more importantly, seeing with discernment and understanding that we may live rightly in light of the expected return of Jesus. So here are the three C's again for you. Seeing the abomination of desolation. Keep an eye on the development and the rebuilding of the third temple in Israel. Well, if and when that happens, things will get very interesting. At the same time, be aware that the worship of God in the body of Christ, and we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that has already been greatly compromised. Do your part. Check your own alignment with Jesus and His kingdom ways. See, discern, understand, respond. Secondly, seeing false Christs and prophets. We've already been forewarned, Deception will be the order of the day. There will be many, many false apostles, prophets, teachers, promoting false Jesuses, false gospels, as well as false doctrines. And here's the challenge. Deception will look and sound very much like the truth. Your only safeguard is to know Jesus, the King, and His kingdom for yourself. And for this, 
Get into the Word of the King. Be led by the Spirit of the King. Hang out with the right kingdom crowd. And again, check your own alignment with Jesus and His kingdom ways. See, discern, understand, respond. And thirdly, seeing the coming of the Lord. When it finally happens, it will be very fast and totally obvious. Everyone will see it. In the day of the Lord, there will be both judgment and salvation. Question is, will we mourn Him with regret or will we meet Him with rejoicing? In this passage, Jesus only speaks of those who mourn. In the rest of Matthew chapter 24, through four parables, Jesus provides more details about entering the kingdom of God. The king desires and expects his followers to be faithful and to be ready when we see him. Once more, check your own alignment with Jesus and his kingdom ways. See, discern, understand, respond. I hope this teaching has been helpful to help you see what I believe the Lord wants us all to see, see, see. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you open the eyes of our hearts, Lord. Grant us the wisdom and also the understanding, the revelation that is only possible by your Holy Spirit. Protect your people that we may not be deceived, but as we put in our effort and our part to learn, will you guide us and show us so that we may see rightly, understand and respond correctly to be ready when we see you. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining me for another Kingdom 101 teaching. For past teachings, visit our website kingdom101.archipusawakening.org. Until the next time, this is Hanson signing off. Stay awakened, aligned and assigned. God bless you.